0: glad you guys could be here. Um, if this is your first time here, I want to personally welcome you. My name is Ricardo Stewart. I'm one of the pastors here. I get the opportunity to do the bulk of the preaching, and we'll do such this morning. But let me tell you a little bit about our church. Um, we are one church. We have multiple congregations. Most of our congregations are here in the valley. We have one in Flagstaff, one reluctantly in Tucson. Um, we, we, we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. And so that's a phrase you'll hear if you're around redemption. And what we believe is in that statement is that Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection was not only just redeeming souls, but promising to restore and renew all of creation and the work of Jesus. And so we try to make disciples in response to that truth. Now, if you want to know more about who we are, best thing you can do is attend a Connect class, which we're going to have beginning next week. And so there's information here on the screen. Or you can stop at the Connect desk on your way out. Um, I do have one announcement, and that is next week we will be celebrating baptisms. And so men and women and children that believe in Christ as Lord and Savior, next week we'll be getting baptized in this uh, horse trough that is a grave today. But um, we we will, uh, uh, you know, resourceful is what we try to be here. So we'll be baptizing people who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, so we look forward to that. If you want to be baptized, you want to know more about what baptism is, You can take the Connect card that's in the seat back in front of you, fill out your name, your email address, um, and you can drop that off in the offering boxes on your way out. Or you can stop at the Connect desk, and they would love to be able to answer your questions. Lastly, if this is your first time here, you are a guest here, we have a gift for you, and it's a book um, called The Prodigal God. It's an easy read to understand what the gospel is all about, and that's for people who are new here. If you say, well, I go to church here, but I like that author, can I have that book? If you are new here, you can have that book. You we say, well, what if I've been here two or three times? You can have the book. What if I've been here longer? If you're new here, you can have the book. Now, you, now, no one's going to be there checking to see how often do you come. No one's going to ask you that. But God sees you. So <laughs> just, re, just just kind of keep that there, okay? Um, all right, that's all I have for announcements. And so normally, I just kind of let you know for those of you who are new, um, one, um, this is a different service because it's Easter. And people usually say, hey, are you prepared for Easter? And I'm like, it's not that big of a deal for the preacher it, because nothing really changes for us. We're used to preaching on Sunday. It's big for you all because not as many of you show up. And so it's just you guys, are you ready for Easter is what I should be asking you guys. Uh, second thing is if you come back again, um, I don't normally wear uh, a sports coat. Um, and I usually wear a tie on Easter, but my wife told me that the tie didn't match. Um, and I'm like, I've worn it before. She's like, well, it didn't match before. Um, so... <laughs> And Ross wasn't open this morning when I was on the way to church, so I didn't, a, I didn't have a choice. So I won't be wearing a sport coat next week. Also, today's sermon, they've given me about 22 minutes to preach this message. So if you go, wow, that was pretty cool. I went to church. It was a short sermon. Not next week. So, uh, so just one, I didn't want you guys to be like, oh, they kind of duped me. I just want to be upfront, just right here. It's normally not this good. So uh, if you want to come back next week, uh, good. All right. So. I got about 22 minutes, like I said, uh, which that's a lot, or excuse me, that's not a lot for a preacher, especially a black preacher, so, but our God is good, he can take two fish and five loaves, he could do anything, right, and so let's, uh, uh, you guys are clapping for no reason, let's pray, let's pray. Father, we, we ask that your spirit would um, just move in the lives of people today and you would take your word, which is more than efficient and sufficient for salvation, that you would communicate to us the ways of Jesus and ways that we can see him, know him, and trust him. And so remove me, help us to see the cross and the empty tomb and the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So we use this phrase in our culture, we'll say hindsight's twenty twenty. And what we mean by that is usually that, you know, looking back we can see things and understand more clearly. And I think that even happens even as we watch movies. And there's certain movies that you get to the very, very end of the movie that you go, ah, oh, you need to go back to watch the movie again in light of what you've seen, right? So the first two movies that come to mind is, um, one is The Book of Eli, right? You get to the end of The Book of Eli, and you're like, Denzel's been blind the whole time, right? Somebody go, like, well, you gave it away. The movie's been out for a long time. That's on you, right? <laughs> the other movie is The Sixth Sense. And if you've seen The Sixth Sense, you get to the movie, and we realize, The dude's been dead the whole time. Again, don't act like I spoiled it for you. That movie's been out, checked it this morning. 20 years, guys. 20 years. That's like coming up and going, me saying, hey, Jesus has risen. What? Spoiler, right? It's like, just so you know, that happened. And, and, and the same way that you go back now and you watch those movies in light of that, it gives a new perspective and an understanding. It's the same way with the New Testament writers. Sometimes when we look at the Bible and we say there's the Old Testament and New Testament, sometimes we maybe think like the Old Testament, God was like, that didn't really work. All right, let's try a different one a different way. The New Testament totally got it better. And it's like, no, it's one continuing story. The difference is the writers of the New Testament, they know the climax of the story, primarily Jesus' death and his resurrection. And now that they know, that they look back in the same way we can look back in the book of Eli and go, Denzel's blind, the whole movie, or the sixth sense, the little cute white kids, dead, the whole movie. Now the writers of the New Testament look back and they go, it's been about Jesus the whole time. That every single thing in the Old Testament has pointed to him being the Messiah, that it was never about humanity trying to fix humanity's problem, but it was actually God who in Christ was fixing humanity's problem of sin to bring new life to everybody who would believe in him. And so we look through that lens to begin to understand what the gospel is all about. And so this morning we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5, um, verses 12 through 21. If you have a Bible, turn there. Um, normally we hand out Bibles, but I don't have that much time today, so just look it on the screen. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it starts with this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death reigned through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin was not counted where there's no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. Because, Ricardo, what's happening? There's a lot of words there. Okay, I'm going to tell you. And more words than I just read. (laughs) So what you have here is Paul is trying to tell the story in light of the death and resurrection of Christ. And he tells the story with two different people. He tells the story with Adam, and he tells the story of the new Adam, which is Jesus. So the old Adam and the new Adam. One brings death, and one brings life. The story begins in the very beginning of the Bible, where God created the world. It starts with God. It continues with God. He says, everything's good. It's good. It's good. He looks, that's good. That's good. At the apex of his creation, he creates humanity, and he creates Adam. And he looks at Adam. He says, something's not good. Adam's like, what's not good? He goes, I'm going to create a woman for you. Adam says, what's a woman? And God was like, just wait. And so then <laughs> he caused Adam to fall asleep, took a rib out of Adam, he creates woman. Adam, for the first time, sees a woman, his bride, and, and, and he poetically says to her, dang, girl. Right? And so <laughs> you have this picture, that, that is a translation of Hebrew. And so you have... You have this picture, and he's, and he's trying to spit game. He's like, You're the only one. And she's like, No, literally, I'm the only one. Um, <laughs> and you have this, this beautiful picture of things being good. Well, then Adam gives Adam, or excuse me, God gives Adam and Eve this vocation to steward creation and that they are lit to live in light of who God is and his promises and his love. And he gives them one prohibition like, Yo, whatever you do, don't eat of this tree, because if you do, you will surely die. And death will reign in the world. Well, we know how the story goes, and that is Adam eats of the tree. Now, some of you go, well, wasn't it Eve who ate first? Like, I mean, isn't it Eve's fault? You can say that, but Adam said, excuse me, God said that Adam would be the representative. Did Eve sin? Yes, he sinned. Women, you sin too, is what the Bible says. But this, this particular goes on the man, and it says Adam was the representative of all humanity, and when Adam fell, is what we talked about, he sinned. Death Entered the world. What Paul is talking about here is, is that, that the way sin entered this world and brought death and everything that hands like hangs on death, meaning death's far-reaching stretch and pain that enters in every single person. And what I can say is, we don't become sinners when we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Because we are in union with Adam, that all fell in Adam. We say we are by nature and choice sinners. Or another way to say it is we are naughty by nature. Right? Some people get it. They're like, I'm laughing. Some people are just are laughing because the person next to him is laughing. It's not even a point of the sermon, but we are sinners separated because of Adam. Adam became the representative of all of humanity. Like he represents us. And Paul is saying that's the way it was. But then he says something in the latter part of verse 14. He says that Adam was a type of the one who was to come. And not to get into what does type mean. It's like a pattern. Meaning that when we think about it, when we look through the lens of Christ, we realize even in Adam, God was already knowing what God was going to do in Jesus. That Adam was a type. Meaning he was to represent um, humanity and fall. God will give another to represent humanity and succeed. That he says that he was the type of the one who would come. The true and better Adam, namely Jesus Christ. And so Paul goes on to talk about this gift now that we receive from God through Jesus. Verse 15, but the free gift, it's not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man, much more have the grace of God, or the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following the many trespasses brought justification. For if because one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the man, Jesus Christ. It's a lot of words. What does that mean? I'm about to tell you, and more words than we just read. Here's what's happening here is, Adam is, and in Adam, that's not something we have to accept or pray for. We're sinners because of Adam. There's nothing you can do about it, right? When I look at my kids and I go, um, my kids have a big forehead, right? Why? Because their daddy has a big forehead. <laughs> guys, there's nothing they can do about that. It's called genetics. Some of you guys are laughing, but I'm looking at you, and you got your issues too, <laughs> all right? And it came from somewhere, and I'm just telling you, there's nothing you could do to change it. Um, let's go down the list. Okay, so you, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> so we, we, we had this sense of going, We like in Adam we fall. However, when it comes to the new Adam and grace, it's not something we just accept. It's not something that we're born into. Like, we like to say, we're not born into this world as a believer of Christ. People like to say, I was born in a Christian family. I was raised as a Christian family. And what you mean is, maybe your parents, maybe your mom, maybe your dad, somebody was a Christian. You're not born into this world going, like, like they didn't, you didn't come out of your mom's uh, body and, and go, oh, John 3.16. Right? That doesn't happen. We have to receive the gift of grace. Like, Adam, we all fall. But in Christ, there's a possibility that we may be lifted up. But we have to receive it. And here's the thing. As adults... We are horrible at receiving extravagant gifts. We are. If somebody came to you and gave you an extravagant gift, you never just go, thank you. You go, oh, no, no, man, I can't, no, I can't take this. That's that's just too big of a gift. I can't, I can't do this. You know who can? Kids. (laughs) There's never been one kid who's like, what? Mom, dad, sit down. I can't take, I can't take this. Like, I, I, mean, I know how hard you guys have been working. I No, they go, thank you. Maybe they might even say thank you. And they just take off, they run, and they enjoy the gift. The extravagant gift that we have, it says this free gift is that of grace, which is God's unmerited favor. All right, here's what that means. The gift that we receive is Jesus, and we do nothing to earn it, therefore we do nothing to lose it. All we do is receive it by faith. In this gift of Jesus, don't think of grace as just a concept. It's a relationship with God, and in this relationship, we receive the forgiveness of sin. We are made right before God. So often we look at the Bible as a way to make us right before God, and the reality is, there's nothing you can do to get right with God. Nothing. I can pray hard enough. You can't pray hard enough. You can't read hard enough. Right? God in Christ makes you right with Himself. That we are accepted on his behalf. And so when it comes to this gift of grace, all you need is need in itself. And when you acknowledge that need, that you are separated from God, then we may by by faith be able to receive the gift that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now Paul goes back and forth in this section. You know, death and Adam, life and Jesus. This one man's act brought condemnation, but this man's act brought forgiveness of the many transgressions. And he uses this phrase much more, much more, the reason why he's saying much more is, though what Adam did brought chaos, what Jesus did is not just merely compensation of that. He does much more good than the destruction that Adam has brought. That Jesus is much greater. He's more and more glorious. That he is Lord, Savior, and ruler of any man, woman, or child that would place their faith in him to have this new and abundant life. And it's a gift to be received. The question is, do we want to receive it? Paul is telling the narrative. Yes, in Adam, there's sin, there's brokenness. But in Jesus, there's a new life. There's much more grace. It's unmerited favor that you may have a relationship with him from now throughout eternity. Where he continues here in this last section, verse 18. He says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners... So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because that card, that's a lot of words. Well, I'm going to tell you what that means, but in more words than I just read. <laughs> it's what, he, what Paul is reading again is that this grace brings something to us, that this grace abounds, like there's more than you can imagine, like there's more grace than you can even fathom. And you say, but why does does the gospel have to talk about so much condemnation? Here's why. Because sin is injustice towards God. And God, being holy and just, has to condemn sin in order for him to continue to be God. That Jesus and, and God, the Father, and the Spirit is not pointing out our sin to somehow get us back. Like, that's what we do in relationships. We, we do it. We do it. Those of you guys who are married, you know you do it all the time. And those of you guys who are not married, you do it all the time, right? And that is, you made me feel a certain way, so now I want you to feel some type of way. Anybody else besides, okay, just me. Right? And so there is that moment where I'm going to try to make you feel the way that you made me feel, and I'm going to point some things out in you. This is how the argument usually goes. Somebody points out, you know, you do this. Huh, it's funny, you should say that. Right? And then you, you pull out the list that you have. Even though love keeps no record of wrong, I just happen to have this on my pocket. right? <laughs> when, it, when, it, when it comes to the way God works, God is not sitting there saying, I'm giving you this, I'm showing you your sin to pay you back. He's showing us our sin that he may show the abounding grace in which he has for us. Like, he's showing us that we are a sinner so that we would see that he's our Savior. It is not for our harm. It is actually for our good. So Adam, in his life, brings death, and Jesus, in his, in his death, gives us life. It's to complete the way the gospel works. It becomes good news to us. Now, now if, you're, if you're like me, if you're like me, you become a Christian— And you realize that you are a sinner in need of God's grace. You haven't learned all your sin yet. And I I still don't think God shows us every, like, speck of our sin. I don't think we can handle it, right? It's kind of like looking at the sun. We got to get layers and layers and layers to be able to try to look at the sun, right? That's how bad it is. However, what I didn't get is I believe that God's grace forgave me of the sins that I committed before I became a Christian. And now that I was saved, born again, or whatever words you would use... Now it was up to me to keep up my good status and merit before God, or somehow I would get kicked out. That grace was good for those who did not know God, but after that it's like you didn't need grace anymore. Boy, was that wrong. What Paul is telling us here, that this grace leads to a reigning life. Not just life reigns, but we reign through grace. And what that means is God in forgiving us or justifying us is that he forgives us of our sins. What we did before we know Christ, what we did as those who follow Christ and still sin and fall. People say, do Christians sin? Yes. If you've ever met a Christian who says they do not sin, they have just sinned called lying. And probably a host of other stuff that they're lying to you about, right? Don't trust them. And so then, the sins that you commit as a Christian and even those that you have not even committed yet, that Jesus' blood, his death, his resurrection was much more than what sin can bring in your life. That no matter what the weight of sin can bring, Jesus always brings more. Whatever sin offers, Jesus offers more because he offers himself. Here's a way to try to illustrate this. So um, we were, it was me, my wife, and just one of our kids. You go, why aren't we with both of your kids? Sometimes they're, you know, more than one's just good. And so we're there and at this, this, this uh, restaurant, and I told my son he can, have a, he can have a pop or soda, whatever you call it. And he goes and he gets, like kids do, he goes to every single thing, right, just trying to risk it all. And so there's, and, and he feels it all the way Past the top, right, and he's trying to walk to the table, right, and as you can imagine, there's just soda going everywhere, and yet he's still, right, and he's. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying not to let it spill. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not working, Um, and I'm upset. Normally, I'm upset with him because he's seven and he's acting like a seven-year-old. I'm like, what are you doing, being seven, acting like a seven-year-old, right? And so. He's like, and I'm just sitting there like, buddy, what are you doing? And and I'm trying to, no lid, nothing. Maybe he was like, you know what? I don't want to put more plastic into the landfills. And so, (laughs) and I'm like, I get it. I get it. I get it. North Tempe life is rough. So, so I said, hey, you know, you can get refills, right? And he looked at me like, I'm like, yeah, you can go get as much as you want. And he's still going, really? (laughs) Right? Like, When it comes to the cup of grace, it runneth over. That there's not a point in our lives that we can't come to God and go, can we get more? There's not a point in our life that we can't be bombarded by our own sin and the own weight of our own sin to go, do I go back to Adam? And Jesus is like, no, now that you're in me, you're always in me and then I in you. That there's this abiding relationship that we have, that his grace is sufficient, as Paul says, is as sin increase, grace abounds all the more. That no matter how low your sin can take you, even higher is what God, through the grace of Jesus Christ, brings you up. And so what Paul is telling, when you begin to relook at the biblical narrative, a.k.a. the Bible, what we see is though sin in our life separates us from God, that Adam drove us away from God, now through Christ's death and his resurrection, we're drawn near to the Lord. That in Adam, there's death, but now in Jesus, there's life. That's much more that's in Christ than that we can ever think, ask, or even imagine. That what Paul is trying to let us know, that the eternal life that we have is only a life that is lived when we fully and readily accept the offer of the gift that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and he was raised from the dead. That the invitation is not an invitation for me to you to receive salvation. People, people like to say, are you going to give an invitation? I can't, I can't give something I don't have. Salvation belongs to God. It just so happens that he's given it to the world for anybody who would trust and believe and follow his son, Jesus Christ. So you can go ahead and close your Bibles and your Bible apps. Um, the band's going to come up. By the way, I've done a pretty good job in time, is we get the opportunity to pray and contemplate on this free gift that we receive in the new Adam who gives us life in Jesus. Now, I wanna say this, just if you are a follower of Christ and you're going, my cup is actually pretty empty, um, what we would love for you to do in this moment is receive prayer that God would fill you again. Cause there's plenty of us, we're just honest, like listen, I know about Jesus. Like this is not new to me, like we said before, but Jesus is like that old friend that you used to know really well and when you see him again, because it's been so long, It's kind of awkward, and it's only awkward on your end, because Jesus not only knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knows everything you've done, good, bad, and indifferent. So sometimes we like to say that we're sinners, which is true, but the reality of it is, we're sinners who are loved by God (laughs) and accepted by God. Um, And so we would love for you to come receive prayer. And then there's some of you who are like, listen, I I have no idea what you're talking about. However, there's something right now about this God, namely Jesus, that I want to know more about. Here's what we know about the condition of the human heart that the bible says that because sin so twists our hearts that we would never reach out for god unless god was already reaching out for us that means if there's a desire in you to know god it's because god may very well already be working in your life and so we would love to pray for you and that you may receive the lord essentially sometimes we like to say there's two people in this world there's the righteous and then there's the guilty and that's just not true as philip yancey says there's actually two types of guilty people those who acknowledge their guilt and their need who receive Jesus and those who do not be the one who acknowledge your need and your guilt and your need for Jesus that goes for those who have walked with Jesus for years and those who've never met him and so I'm gonna invite people appearing people to my right and my left who would love to pray for you the band's gonna continue to lead us through worship through song as we celebrate Jesus but don't be ashamed or shy to come to receive the prayer that the grace uh, the cup of grace may overflow abundantly in your life through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ let's pray God we thank you for the love that you give us through your son we thank you for his sacrifice and we thank you for you by the power of the spirit raising him from the dead and we pray that that same power would be unleashed into the people in this room in the city and in this world that your grace would abound in our, our fallenness our brokenness and our sin that we may not through our own efforts but through receiving Christ Lord, we may acknowledge our need and receive the gift of salvation and grace in Jesus. Father, we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.